The scripture reading this morning is taken from the book of Luke, chapter 2, verses 22 through 35. You can follow along in your worship guide or in your Bible. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and given to us in love. Well, good morning. During this Advent season, we have been looking at different passages where the people of God waited for the Lord. The first week, we looked at the story of Abraham and Isaac, and we're reminded that waiting is not a secondary process, but one of active obedience. The second week, we looked at the fall of Jericho where we learned that nothing is impossible with God. As Clyde preached, he told us that God has got us. Last week, we were in the book of Malachi, and Daniel reminded us that although we don't know why the Lord has us wait, we can trust God because he is good, loving, and compassionate. And this morning, we are ending our series looking at one of my favorite Advent stories found in Luke 2. The story of Simeon's waiting and blessing. As we look at this account, it it unfolds in six different parts. And so I want to take some time to kind of walk through these six parts. And then I'd like for us to look at three implications for our lives. Pray with me. Father, we're grateful this morning for the opportunity to come and worship you. We're mindful that there are men and women and children worshiping throughout the city and throughout the world this morning. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come, that you would speak to our hearts, that you'd encourage us, that we might know your love more deeply this morning. And we pray this in your powerful name. Amen. 
So you can either open your Bibles to Luke 2 or you can look in your bulletins because we're going to kind of just walk through these six parts of our passage. And the first part of the story actually starts in verse 21. Luke is declaring that Mary and Joseph have fulfilled all the law required at the birth of Jesus. Now, in order for them to do this, Joseph and Mary, they had to do three things. First, they were to have baby Jesus circumcised on the eighth day. And if you look at verse 21, Luke tells us that at the end of eight days, Jesus was presented to the priest to be circumcised as a sign of his acceptance into the covenant community. The second thing that they needed to do to fulfill the law, they were to take Jesus to the temple for the redemption of the firstborn. Now, you might be wondering as you hear me say redemption of the firstborn, what is that? Well, as a sign of devotion to God, the first fruits were to be offered to God. The first fruits of the harvest were set aside to the Lord. And then after the exodus, the firstborn child was to be consecrated to God. If you notice in verses 22 and 23, Luke tells us that Joseph and Mary took Jesus to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. For as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. So we see in their effort to fulfill the law, they have Jesus circumcised. They go through this process of redeeming him. And then thirdly and lastly, they were to participate in the purification of the mother. After the birth of a male child, the mother was ceremonially unclean for seven days and underwent purification for 33 days for the birth of a male child. And the period was twice as long for a female child. Now, during this time, she was permitted to enter the temple, but she could not touch any holy object. But after the 40 or 80 days, depending on the gender of the child, she was to offer a lamb and a pigeon or a turtle dove. And if she couldn't afford a lamb, then she could offer instead two turtle doves or a pigeon's. Now, Luke tells us in verse 24 that seeking to fulfill the purification of the mother, Joseph and Mary, they couldn't afford to offer a lamb. Instead, they chose to offer one of the two remaining options, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And then by completing this last requirement, they fulfilled all the law required for the birth of the baby Jesus. Which leads us then to the second part of the unfolding of the story, the introduction of Simeon. If you look in verses 24 and 25, we learn that Simeon was a resident of Jerusalem. And like Zechariah and Elizabeth, Luke characterizes him as a righteous and a devout man. Simeon loved God and feared him. And Luke tells us that Simeon, who was familiar with Isaiah's prophecy promising a Messiah, waited patiently for the consolation of Israel, the long expected restoration of God's people and fulfillment of God's redemptive work. 
And just as the Spirit had come upon Mary and Elizabeth and Zachariah and John the Baptist, in verse 25, we learn that the Holy Spirit was also on Simeon. In fact, we read that the Holy Spirit revealed to Simeon that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord Christ. Like Jesus had later promised to the disciples that some of them would not taste death before they saw the kingdom of God. Simeon is given this word that before his work is done here on earth, he would behold the Son of God. And as, as we continue on in verses 27 and 28, we see the third part of our story. The meeting of the parents and Jesus. And I love this part of the story because it says that basically the Holy Spirit leads Simeon to the temple. And we kind of think he's going into the temple and the only child in the temple is Jesus. But he knows that something is going on. The Holy Spirit has moved him there and he's been waiting and waiting and waiting. And he goes in and because many of the Israelites were fulfilling the law, there would have been many children and many young parents in the temple. And you can only imagine as he scanned the room, just as the Holy Spirit jumped when Mary came and arrived at Elizabeth's house. You get the sense that the Holy Spirit jumped inside of Simeon as he saw Jesus and Mary and Joseph. And with joy untold, Simeon walks over to Jesus and he takes him up into his arms and he smothers him with a grandfather's love and affection. He meets the Holy Family. Which then brings us to the fourth part of our story, the climax of our story in verses 29 through 32. Simeon blesses the child Jesus. Simeon offers this blessing over Christ, saying, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Simeon, who had served as a faithful watchman for many years, looking for the coming of the Lord's anointed, is now dismissed from his post by his master. He says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. The word salvation here is actually an adjective used as a noun, and it denotes the means of salvation. Simeon, in his blessing, is declaring that Jesus is the bringer of salvation. He is the promised seed through whom redemption and restoration of the world will come. He is the one who will bridge the chasm between man's sin and God's holiness. And through his life, death and resurrection, all who profess faith in him will have eternal life. And then Simeon, echoing Isaiah, declares this salvation is not only for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles. Jesus will be a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to the people of Israel. Jesus is ushering in shalom for all people, bringing peace between God and man and reversing the curse upon the earth. 
And then in verse 33, the fifth part of our story, we read the reaction of Joseph and Mary. Luke tells us that they marveled at what Simeon had said. The word here in the Greek literally means they were utterly amazed. And if you think about that, they knew, they knew that God had given them the Messiah. But they were so overwhelmed by his blessing and the enormity of the revelation that Simeon had just professed over them that they were astonished. Which then brings us to the sixth and final part of the unfolding of Simeon's blessing and waiting. As he now turns to Mary and Joseph and offers a blessing over them. Simeon declares in verse 34, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. Simeon is saying the one who brings salvation will also bring judgment. He will be the cornerstone, the stone in which some will place their faith and receive salvation and others will stumble over. And then he goes on to tell them that Jesus will suffer greatly. He looks directly at Mary and says, as you watch the sword pierce your son's side, your heart will be pierced as well. Salvation is not free. It will come at a great cost. The death of God's beloved son, Jesus Christ. And so as we've walked through this story, the question for us this morning is what are the implications for us today at the end of 2019? And I want to share with you three implications and the first is, we are not alone in our waiting. You know, if I were to ask you to name the different characters in the story that we just talked about, you would probably say Simeon, Mary, Joseph, and Jesus. And while these four characters certainly play a huge role in the story, there's another person that is central to the plot. His name is the Holy Spirit. In Luke's gospel, he mentions the Holy Spirit over 14 times. And in this particular narrative, he mentions him three times. Look at verse 25. Luke, introducing Simeon, tells us that the Holy Spirit was upon him. In verse 26, Luke informs us that the Holy Spirit had come to Simeon and revealed to him that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And then in verse 27, we are told that it is the Holy Spirit who leads Simeon to the temple on that fateful day to see Jesus. The Holy Spirit's fingerprints are all over Simeon's life. We don't know how long Simeon had been waiting to see Jesus, but it's safe to presume that it had been many, many years and as we've discussed over the past several weeks, waiting is extremely difficult. But the good news of this passage is that we are not alone in our waiting. Jesus says this in John 14, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. 
And I will ask the Father and He will give you another Helper to be with you forever. Even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit is with you and me this morning. As we wait for our relationships with our family members to be restored. As we wait for our marriages to be healed. As we wait for our sons and daughters to return to our Heavenly Father. As we wait for God to heal our cancer or some other diseases. As we wait for God to provide a job, a spouse, a relief from anxiety. And fears. This story is a reminder that we are not alone. When I was at Christ Community, Scott North was on staff with me, and he came up with this principle that we called the with me principle. And he could tell me and the other staff as we faced whatever obstacle was before us that we could persevere. Because God was with us and we were standing with one another. This certainly was true for me. I'd had my surgery. I'd had prostate cancer three years ago. Had my surgery and then every six months I go in to have my PSA checked to make sure that the cancer isn't back or hasn't spread. And I went in the first six months anxious, you guys know me, and scared and I got the good news. PSA was clean. And so the second time I went in at one year, I was thinking, you know, people had offered to go. No, I'll be fine. I go in and I meet with Dr. Borden. He comes in, knocks on the door, comes in and kind of looks at me. And I was like, oh, this isn't good. And he said, well, Todd, I kind of have a little bit of bad news. Not horrible news, but your PSA is elevated. It's not completely undetectable. Now, I, I, don't, I can't explain this. Uh, I passed out the first time when I found out I had cancer. This was actually worse news to me than when I first found out I had cancer. My palms started sweating. I started shaking. I turned white. And as I sat there, I was just kind of fumbling around. I remembered that another good friend had said that sometimes you have false positives. And so I asked Dr. Borden, is there any way that we could have my PSA checked again that day? And he said, sure, I'll, I'll do that. We'll, we'll go have it. And then you have to wait a week in order to find the results. And so I was like, okay, I went, uh, had my blood drawn, and then went home. I was a mess. Diane came over and comforted me. And I live alone. And so I was just a mess. So I called a friend of mine, Mark Denning, who lives in Charlotte, and told him what was going on. And he said, hold on a second. And he went and talked to his wife. And then he said, Todd, I'll be at your house in two hours. And he drove. His wife was kind enough to let him leave. And he came to my house and he said, I'm going to stay with you through this week until you get the results. Because I don't want you to be alone in this. Mark was the father to me that week. He was with me, and though I waited, and though it was difficult, the waiting was made easier because of his presence with me. And because of the reminder that God was with me. And so, when Dr. Borden called me on the phone and said to me, 
I don't just have good news for you today, Todd. I've got great news. Your PSA is 100% undetectable. I just began to weep over God's goodness and his grace, not just with the test results, but by bringing a friend to come alongside of me. The truth is, the Christmas story is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is with us today. The Holy Spirit dwells in us. And though the waiting can make the brightest days feel dark, you are not alone. God is with you. And I want you just for a second to look to your left and look to your right. This is the body of Christ. This is the Father. We can father one another. You have a church family that longs to walk beside you, to hold you, and to encourage you. So as we look at our passage today, the first implication is that we are not alone in our waiting. The second implication that I want us to consider is we have a sure hope as we wait. Some of us have been waiting for weeks for God to show up, to provide. Some of us have been waiting for months. Some of us have been waiting for 30, 40 years. No matter how long, regardless of a week or day, a minute or 30 years, waiting is very, very difficult. And it's easy in the midst of waiting to lose hope. Yet this story this morning is a reminder That God has provided for us a Savior in Jesus Christ. And we can look to Jesus as a reminder that if He's provided for us a Savior, He will provide for whatever it is that we're waiting for. Jesus Christ is born to us. He lived among us. He died and He's been raised from the dead. And 1 Peter, Peter declares to those who are suffering and waiting, that Jesus is our sure hope. He is the first fruits of hope. And because He's come into the world, we can be a people of hope. We can trust that as God has already provided for us, He hears our cries, He longs to meet us, and He is faithful. For some of us, our waiting might end this afternoon or tomorrow or next week. For others of us, our waiting may continue on for months or even years. But when you begin losing hope, remember Christmas. Remember this story. Remember that Christ the King is born. He is alive. And just as Simeon, after waiting, saw him, he is with you. And he offers hope to you this morning. And so the first implication is that we're not alone in our waiting. The second implication is that we have a sure hope. And then the third implication is that our response to seeing Jesus is to offer a good word to God, ourselves, and others. 
Several months ago, Jim preached a sermon on the last element of our service, the blessing and sending. And in that sermon, he reminded us that the blessing is a good word spoken to a person or to a group of people. And, and since his sermon, I've been thinking a lot about the concept of God's blessing pronounced over us and us blessing ourselves and others. And what I've discovered in my own life and as I've listened to many of you is that we are so quick not to bless ourselves and God and others, but to curse ourselves, God and others. I know for me as a half empty person, it's so easy for me to curse my desires and say they're bad. To curse my work and say it's not good enough. To curse relationships and say they're never going to be healed or restored. And yet what we see in this passage that our response to seeing the Christ child isn't to curse ourselves or God or others, but it is to bless God, ourselves and others. I know we're all, you know, shopped out. We bought tons of gifts But I can tell you the greatest gift that you can give yourself or give your loved one this week is a good word, a word of blessing. As you look at them and and remind them of what you see God doing in their lives and remind them of God's goodness and love for them. As I was preparing this week, the Holy Spirit kept impressing on me that we here at Hope Chapel need to hear a blessing from God this morning. Many people have asked me over the last weeks, how am I doing? And I confess that my heart has been heavy. Not because there's anything particularly going wrong or hard in my own life, but as I sit with many of you, you are carrying incredible burdens and many of you are waiting for God to show up in incredible ways and I believe this morning that God has a word for you and so I've been praying all week God what is it that you want to say to us this morning what good word do you want to give us And the word that he has brought to me that I want to bless you with this morning comes from Luke 1 and Isaiah 40. And so I want you to close your eyes and I want you to hear and receive God's good word to you today. As Gabriel said to Mary, God says to you, Do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. You are his favored one. You are the one in whom he delights. You are the one for whom he sent his son to rescue you. And to restore you to himself. There is not a second that goes by that he does not think about you with joy 
and thanksgiving in his heart for you. There is nothing that you have done that his blood does not cover. Nor is there anything you will do that his grace is not sufficient. God is for you. God is fighting to bring healing in you. And in those you love. Remember that the Lord is the everlasting God. The creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary. And young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You are his favored ones. Put your hope in him today. Rest in him. For indeed, he has done great things. And he will continue to do great things until he comes again. Amen.